Welcome to the Philosophy of Fighting Podcast with your hosts, Arturo and Anu. So on today's show, we have Bridget Grace, Henzo Gracie Black Belt. She runs the women's division, right, at the Henzo Gracie <laughs> Academy. She's competing at the ADCCs, like all around, like amazing person from what I get from your Instagram and what people are telling me. Uh, and yeah, thank you to Zuli for connecting with you and bringing us together. She said you were so happy and friendly. And just from our little brief conversation, I just figured you seemed like such a good person. I was excited oh, to have this conversation. <laughs> I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I run the women's program at Henzo Gracie Academy. I, I'm also the first uh, female instructor they've ever had. And I teach a, a couple of the co-ed classes as well. And I'm also running their beginner no-gi program. So a little bit of things have been added in. It's been really uh, quite an exciting journey working there. So I'm, I'm super grateful for the experience. Uh, but the That's women's so, class, that was like the first thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think from what we had read is that you developed that. Yeah. Yeah. So it was actually, sorry, this is Loki, by the way, he's going to be joining us as well. <laughs> yeah. My little boy. Aww, so handsome. <laughs> um, so the women's class that actually began in 2018, I want to say I moved here to New York in 2018 to pursue jujitsu, uh, almost essentially full time. And 2019, a couple of the girls came up to me and I was the highest ranking female at the academy and well, competing female at the academy. And they approached me and they were like, we would really like to have a women's class and we would love to have you involved in some way. And I had been teaching kids classes and I guess slowly had started to make a name for myself. And then I, Katarina, she was at our, the gym's manager was the one that implemented the, the classes in our first women's class. I want to say it was on International Women's Day in March. Oh. Oh, wow. Of 2019. Yeah, it was really exciting. It was really cool. Henzo came. It was like a whole like thing. Uh, and I had no idea what to really expect out of it. And the girls really loved it. And we just kept having class and it was going to be like a rotating professor. And somehow I was always on the roster just because I was always around. <laughs> and then uh, it eventually became like my class. So it was really cool to see it like in its like infancy stages and then it's developed and it's gone through like, you know, as, as any classes do, they go through ebbs and flows and uh, I was able to add more classes and then now I've restructured it. So now we're back to uh, just doing one class a week um, to try and build up the program again. So it's really, really cool. I uh, get to meet a lot of girls. I have a lot of drop-ins. At one point, I think we had like 50 girls on the mat uh, when we first had it. Wow. This is pre-COVID, by the way. <laughs> uh, so it was it was really cool to see that many ladies on the mat and like training with one another, playing with one another. It was a good camaraderie. I mean, did it still you, is. It still is. Did you find a lot of those people? Were you like recruiting and trying to get them? Or was this like a, already a stable of people? <laughs> now they were happy that there was this class. Uh, it was a little bit of both. I, so my first gym, Henzo's is not my first gym. I kind of came into it. I, 
originally as a blue belt. So I'm from Philadelphia. Well, New Jersey and then Philadelphia. I I love Philly. Um, <laughs> it's such a crazy place. <laughs> so I originally started in New Jersey and then I moved to Philly and I was actually doing MMA and I was pursuing fighting. And then after my second MMA fight, I wound up switching academies and started training with Daniel Gracie. And Daniel had a really, really, well, he still has a really strong MMA team. So uh, it just made so much sense to me. And then while I was there, our primary training was actually jujitsu. So that's where I fell in love with jujitsu. And I was like, oh my gosh, this makes so much more sense now. And he's so passionate and there's this, this larger than life character. And you're just so involved and you're like, tell me more about jujitsu. I want to hear more stories. I want to know what the story is. Like, I, I need to know the timeline of this. And it's, as you guys know, like jujitsu is super addictive. <laughs> And I just followed it. And then from Daniels, I started training up at headquarters. And so I was like this tiny blue belt that was like, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> and my first class was like a John Danaher class. I had no idea who he was. I had no idea who Henzo was. I kept calling it Renzo Gracie. I was like, Renzo, <laughs> Renzo. Yep, yep. So I learned real fast, kind of like who's who, what's going on. And it was it was really cool and total whirlwind. So then I earned my purple and my brown from Daniel. And then I moved up to here as a brown belt. But always taking classes, always like commuting from Philly to New York. <laughs> It was quite a hike, but totally worth it. And yeah, so that's how the women's class kind of came to be, more or less. If I can go back even further. So what yeah. got you into MMA? Like oh, <laughs> so I knew after college, I wanted to fight. Uh, I had it in me of just, I really saw that women's MMA was a growing field. I guess you could say. And uh, I don't know. I always had something in me. There's a little bit of a, a longer story about it, if you guys don't mind. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> okay. So I, my, in college, I was an environmental studies and public policy major. So sustainability was kind of like my thing that I was really into. I don't know if you can see my plants, but I love plants. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I couldn't, I, I wasn't super passionate about it. Uh, I thought it was really interesting learning about it, but I just didn't share a lot of the passion that my classmates had. Uh, and then while I was trying to flounder about, my dad wound up passing away suddenly. And it really just rocked my world to the point where I was like, I don't know what to do with my life anymore. And he was someone that I was very close to. And he was someone who just was like, follow your dreams. And I'm like, I don't know what my dreams are. <laughs> so I more or less just trying to like figure some things out. I, I wound up going to my brother's house and we did some soul searching. I wound up seeing like a psychic and they were like, I see champions. I see a Laurel and I see Brazil. So all wow. of that. Yeah. Very intensive. So all of that, I was like, I am going to go to the Olympics for rugby. That's what I had in my mind. Uh, <laughs> and so did you play like, rugby? It did. <laughs> okay. All right. I was going to say, like, yeah. if you never played it, I'm like, whoa. If you never played it. Okay. 
Well, actually, I didn't play it up until that point. But after that, I started playing. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I've always been like a very physical person. Uh, I played football in middle school. Like Mm. I convinced my parents. I was like, I need to do this for character development. I have always been someone to be like, I just want to hit people. Like, (laughs) it's just, I don't know what it is about me or about like just it's really just me and my family that is just like, I just want to do things. Everyone else like throw themselves into a book. That's what they do. That's where they want to be. But for some reason, this is what found me and I love it. So I play rugby. I love rugby. It's the best. It is so much fun. I, it's the only game that like makes sense to me. Like I'm not a ball hand eye coordinated person, uh, but somehow like this, this hit it. This made sense. My last game, I wound up colliding heads with a teammate and we went in for the same tackle. Uh, it was like a scene from Looney Tunes where like a hematoma just like sprouts mm. out of my forehead and I fall to the ground and I feel this thing happen and I'm just like, oh my God. <laughs> so I, of course, get escorted off the field. I have my all of my teammates like running up to me, telling me, you need to remember these seven words, like, you know, all this concussion thing. I don't think I had a concussion, despite how bad it looks. But at that moment, I decided I can't, I can't do rugby. I don't trust necessarily team sports. I've always been more of a, like an individual person. So granted, I played football. That was the only team sport I did. Otherwise, I was a swimmer and like I did theater. <laughs> so not anything that was very much like group setting. Uh, so I was like, next best scene uh, is going to be MMA. And so that's the track that I wound up taking. And like, I just went full bore into it after I graduated uh, and loved it. Like I had my first Muay Thai fight a little less than a year that I first started training, had a second one, then started fighting MMA. Like I just jumped straight in. Were there any like pioneers that were inspired you? Uh, you know, Ronda Rousey, she was the only one that I kind of knew. And at the time, like I had only heard like some very vulgar interviews from her. And I was like, okay, how hard can this be? Otherwise, like (laughs) (laughs) my family was very anti-fighting. So my dad was a doctor. My mom was a nurse. We didn't, were not allowed to watch WWE. We were not allowed to watch any boxing. We were very much like, we don't, we don't fight in this family. And when I, I remember when I first saw like MMA, like I had friends in high school that were training UFC, you know, uh, and so they started to, to train. And like, I thought I, I saw some fights and I'm like, this is the dumbest thing. Like, why would you do that to your brain and your body and stuff? And now, you know, I did it. I loved it. I think it's so cool. There's so much skill to it. And there's so much nuance that I'm like, so into like, did you just see that? Oh my God. <laughs> like, so, you know, if I would have, if, if I could go back to like 15 years ago to be like, Bridget, it's going to be a weird world. I would have never believed my, anything. I'd be like, no, that's not happening. Yeah. But to go back to, so what this psychic told me about the, the Laurel, the, what's it called? Champions and Brazil. So Looking back, I work at Henzo Gracie Academy. Henzo's has the the lion, but also has the laurel around it. Surrounded by Brazilians (laughs) all the time. (laughs) 
And I've been in multiple championships. I fought at Worlds. I've gotten silver at Worlds. And then I've also trained like a whole bunch of, or trained with like a whole bunch of killers that, you know, place at an elite level. So, uh, you know, it's kind of like everything came true, (laughs) more or less. Lately, I've been going back to my, I feel like when I was younger, like I believed in magic. Yeah. And then like for a few years, I kind of wasn't believing in magic. And then like lately I started believing in magic again a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Ar- Arturo's birthday is on 9-11. And so I was <gasps> kind of oh. tragic. But yeah, uh, super tragic. Happy belated bunch- though. <laughs> I was reading a bunch of stories about 9-11 recently and somebody was saying how their father was worked every day at the trade center and then would go in. And then for some reason this day he went in and he was just, roaming around the lobby like just like puttering around for an hour and then the plane hit and then he helped some people and then got out and it's just like and then there was like four other people that had similar stories and so part of me is like what's going on is it that they're just hyper analyzing that day and they normally do weird stuff and but that day something happened and so now they're that or is it that there was this feeling that they had where they just started doing different things than the normal and so maybe it is a muscle we got to exercise to believe, you know, like, and I don't totally. know if choose or not. Arturo's a little bit more analytical, so I don't think he's for him. But I'm, I'm I with mean, you. Maybe we're in a side. simulation and maybe we just have these errors every now and again, dude. Who knows? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> well, I, I know that patterns are like a big thing and like we do so many things subconscious or not subconsciously but like we're not actually fully present and it's just these patterns can like take over and i know at least in terms of training so like going into like the jujitsu world like we repeat the same kind of patterns and training just over and over and over again and trying to lay down new tracks like you have to really be present and really be like in it and that is also goes for like, you know, our everyday lives where like now if you want to like change a habit or something, you have to really like turn your your brain on and like check in, be present and be like, okay, so like this is what's going to happen. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to reset this whole new pattern, but it takes time and then it can become like the secondary thing that again, it becomes a habit or uh, a pattern. Mm-hmm. So who knows? We might be in a simulation. Yeah. <laughs> But we can hack it. (laughs) (laughs) Good question. What position did you play when you played football? Mm. Tight end. Oh, cool. That's Mm -hmm. a cool position. I was imagining. It is a really cool position. (laughs) It's not a soft position. Mm -mm. And defensive end. That's bad. Yeah, that's that's my top two right there. (laughs) It was so much fun. I loved like the team camaraderie that I had with all the guys. It was myself and it was one girl for seventh grade. And then in eighth grade, it was me and this other girl uh, who she was a phenomenal player. Like she was she actually wanted to be our quarterback and she wow. could she was just a freak athlete. She could throw. She could run. She could do anything. Meanwhile, like I just hit people. <laughs> That's what I do. <laughs> Don't underrate that skill. No, no, <laughs> definitely not. Yeah. Why did you slow down from MMA? It's really hard. <laughs> I slowed down uh, for a couple of different reasons. Number one, at the time, what was going on was, you know, you don't make a big living with MMA. Like it's really reliant upon ticket sales and fights. And it was uh, living in Philadelphia. It was very difficult trying to find a fight. Like this is seven years ago at this point in time, six years ago. So it like the trying to think like, 
you know, jujitsu has changed so much within like the past five years, the past three years, the past two years. MMA has also changed so much within the past five years. I, and there were so few women, there's so few women now, but there were even fewer women then. Mm -hmm. And trying to find fights was extraordinarily difficult. I remember I would have like a potential fight and then it would fall through and then another potential fight and then it would fall through. So I was just constantly in camp. Mm -hmm. And again, like it's really tough. And I was working weird part-time jobs. I was a dog walker at one point in time. I worked at Whole Foods. I worked at a cafe. I worked at Sprint. Like I did so much just to like try and fuel this MMA thing. And I just couldn't quite get it off the ground. And so that was like the the hardest hurdle about it. And then when I could find fights, like again, the girls would either fall through or like I remember one fight I went to go fight I had a really hard time with the weight cut and I think I was like two pounds over like it was super Mm. unprofessional on my part but like I was really like not okay and I I remember reaching out to the girl just begging her like please like I totally get it but like it would be awesome if we could just do this and she wound up backing out of the fight mm-hmm. um, her coaches pulled her out and again the fight scene in philly was just so so small and new york didn't even have fighting at that point in time like they didn't allow any any fights so if anything you had to travel or drive to like more southern states and every state is different with what their rules are i don't know any more now i think it's gotten a little bit better at least i know that there's fights here in new york and there's like amateur one or amateur two like different levels but at the time like i remember if i heard that if you fought in like a southern state you wouldn't be able to fight in new jersey and really? then if you, yeah because just the way that the rule sets were like new jersey for their mma fights it was three three minute round no three two three, three minute rounds. And then I think Pennsylvania was like three, two minute rounds. It's just really bizarre, like how state to state it changes. And some they're stricter in some states and they're not so strict in other states. So that's why they wouldn't allow like a lot of like, if you would fight in like Mississippi, like you wouldn't be able to fight in New Jersey for like a year, (laughs) or you wouldn't be able to fight in Pennsylvania for like a year. It was something ridiculous. And I didn't really work with anyone other than my coach or like local people. So my pool of people was very small. I'm sure like looking back, you know, hindsight is 2020. I could have reached out to like so many other Facebook groups, but I just didn't have in me. And like, I, again, money was a huge thing. Like I was not making enough to keep fueling it. So after all those kind of like fell through, then I started to just really concentrate on jujitsu. And again, plus like the mental thing of you're constantly in camp. Like you can only be in like a camp for like six to eight weeks. And then like, you really truly need like a reset of just need to Zen out and take like a week training off. Like, and then you're also like, or I know for myself, I was trying to do jujitsu matches and then, you know, still be in a a fight camp and then jujitsu matches and then still be in a fight camp. So it's just the too much in between. So I chose jujitsu. Was this the impetus that made you think like, oh, I want to take jujitsu more serious then? Like where did your outlet for jujitsu become like, oh, I want to do this full time? I think I've always, so doing jujitsu full time, I, there's two parts to it. So there's one part I really 
jujitsu makes sense to me. Like the jujitsu world makes sense to me. I love being on the mats. Like, you know, it's, we all go to the mats for different reasons. I love the struggle that I have there. I love the puzzles that are presented to me and like, this is the live time. So like, I just, I'm super, super addicted to it. I love the grind. I like, I, I love that. I making that full time. I, so since I was the whole MMA thing, uh, I did not want to be seen as like a MMA purple belt. I didn't want to be seen as like an MMA brown belt. Like I wanted to be like, no, I am a full on, like you, I want, I want one of the respects that I saw that other people had. And I don't, I think I've always had respect of people, but I, I always wanted to make sure that like I deserved my belt. I, I earned my purple belt really fast. So I was promoted to blue belt in like a year and a half. Blue to purple is only a year. So I, yeah, it was no fast. <laughs> but again, I was training every day, twice a day, three times a day, it was like very much living on the mats, living, breathing, eating everything on the mats. So for me to earn my purple belt, I felt like it was really, really fast. And I never, I, I heard other people talk about like, oh, well, they're just an MMA purple belt. And it's like, no, like I really wanted to be like, to own that and to own my space on the mats. Like I didn't want to ever seem like, you know, anything was ever handed to me. So that's why I, I re that like was the impetus of like me throwing myself more into jujitsu when I earned my brown belt, that took like two, uh, two ish years, two and a half years. And at that point in time, my priorities had kind of shifted. Like I wasn't fighting MMA. I had actually gone back to school. I was doing body work, massage therapy, and I earned my brown belt. And I was like, okay, if I want to, I want to be the most like legit black belt that I can possibly be. And that's what fueled me to then move to New York to be like, okay, I would, I want to go to the Mecca. I, I want to really immerse myself in as many classes as possible. I want to learn as much as I possibly can because like, again, I love Philly, but I felt like I just kind of hit my peak there. And then I was like, I, I need to move on. I mean, at Henzo's, but we're still in the same family. Mm -hmm. uh, I just needed a new change of pace. So you became a you became basically a doctor, a black belt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I think that's yeah, that's amazing. Because sometimes I feel that way about I'm just always learning a little bit of everything, and I'm like I should have focused on fucking something, you know. And then like I would be yeah. good at it instead of just being okay at everything, you know. But yeah, that's that's wonderful. Did you have like a favorite belt like when you were like in it, like where you're like, this is fun, like this is exciting? Oh, Did you feel God. pressure when you were a brown belt, like working your way to black belt? Like <laughs> I had every belt is different and for different reasons. Like I love my purple belt because like purple is such a cool color. And <laughs> and this is like back in like 2014. 14 where like there's really not that many girls around and it's like oh she's a purple belt it's like oh yeah i am a purple belt <laughs> like <laughs> just like the weight of it like i started to feel that i was like oh i kind of like this this is cool and then brown belt like that that to me that from purple to brown like that was a real struggle there were uh it, again it was just changing of where my my focus was recognizing that like i uh, you know like i'm halfway through i i really felt like i was being 
this sounds like so uh, like bitchy now, (laughs) but like (laughs) I, I looked at it and there were a lot of times that a lot of the people that I was being promoted or had been promoted with to purple belt, I got a huge ego at purple. Uh, And then everyone started getting their brown belt and I felt like I was being overlooked for mine. And I'm like, it's not about the belt, but it's kind of about the belt. And, (laughs) (laughs) And I was getting really upset about it because I'm like, I am doing everything possible. And like, just, it just was not clicking whatsoever. So when I finally, again, made the, a lot of life decisions that just changed things and changed perceptions for myself, earning my brown belt was like this really sweet thing of just like, man, I I did it. I finally did it. And like, I really feel like I've cemented myself at least like I, I trained, I, I do jujitsu. And then again, ultimately getting the black belt was like, I am (laughs) jujitsu. It's kind of like that thing that happened. (laughs) Yeah, the brown to black journey. Again, it, I moved schools. I uh, then started putting jujitsu as the forefront. Like I moved to New York for jujitsu. Like that, it, this has been like a dream of mine that I don't think I ever really had. So discovering that was was really interesting and really fun. Yeah, and then you know black belt right before the pandemic. That was an interesting experience. <laughs> You're like, okay, now everything's shut down. Is is this your full-time job now? Like, do you not have to do anything else? Do you get to just solely dedicate your life to this? It's all jujitsu. Yeah. So when I first moved here, I was still doing massage therapy. And I still had that as, like, my my fallback of, like, well, if everything, you know, if all else fails, I can always just rely upon massage or just do both. Because I liked being able to kind of go between both worlds. And then when I started competing far more heavily in jujitsu, uh, I was like, I really need to like make this my priority just because I understand, like I try to be as realistic as I can with my goals. Uh, and I understand that there's a time limit, especially for, for people trying to compete. And these younger generations that are coming up are so good. And they've been training for far longer than I have. I mean, I started training when I was 22 and I feel the difference between like people that have been training. I'm sure you guys feel it too. People that have been training when they were, have been children to like now it's just, it's insane. They have these touches and they understand different movements and they just do things that they can't explain, but they've always been doing them. I don't feel like, I, I feel like I have like a limit for myself. So you know, I'm 33 now and I'm like probably around 35 is where I'm like, okay, we're, we're capping it. And now let's really shift into like business and potentially opening up schools or becoming a full-time professor and really like diving more so into that, that realm. So that was what more or less led me into being like, okay, I have to eliminate the body work and the massage therapy and really just concentrate in on teaching and training and really making training like the forefront of like, this is what it is, get my priorities straight. And then again, I have a time limit and then into shift again and, and see what happens. Yeah. So it's, it's just, it's been a weird journey. I can relate to you in a lot of ways. I'm a brown belt and I feel like our belts, exactly how you said, I feel like was kind of my story too. I feel the same way. A lot of 
this is the same. And then comp- competitive wise, yeah, getting older, like I'm, I'm dealing with kids that have wrestled since they were like five. Yeah. They're getting like scholarships to college. They're getting, ju- they're getting into jujitsu in their off seasons while they're wrestling in high school, getting scholarships for college and then coming to learn with me who I picked up at like 22, 23 also. And it's like, jeez, yeah. man, these, these guys feel different for sure. They feel so different. And they they just, their bodies are, are just, they're able to take on so much more of a load and like they're yes. sponges as well. You know, I, I remember learning what I learned at 22 and I'm sure you remember this too. It's like you pick up so much and then you kind of like hit different walls. And as you get higher in the belts, yes, like the techniques can kind of change, but like there are things that are just dead set in our bodies that we can't necessarily change or it just takes us so much longer. And meanwhile, these kids, like they can pick things up like this and Mm -hmm. it's so amazing to watch and incredible to feel, but like, they're so you much off. younger. <laughs> I feel like it, it pisses me off. I'm like, you're so fucking <laughs> young and good. Like, I'm a teacher and I teach college geography, so I, I can deal yeah. with it. But sometimes <laughs> when I teach high school and everybody's like, why don't you become a full-time teacher in high school? And it's because I get a little jealous of the kids. I'm like, these kids fucking have everything, you know? And they're like, and like sometimes, and I'm like, I shouldn't think that way, but I do, you know? I get um, it. I get it. No, it does make me angry to a certain point. And I'm just like, why can't I just do the thing? And then I'm like, no, you know what? Like, it's fine. It's totally fine. I know. Uh, and then just beat them mercilessly until then, so that they know. They know exactly. you have the power. Yeah, that, that is my fuel too, actually. They're like, yeah. why do you still do it? I'm like, just to just to beat the young kids, let yeah. them know there's still more. There's still more. They need to know what's up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. And then when they become a champion, you're like, well, I used to beat you. So I'm exactly. kind of a champion. Like, and then there's like long. the respect there. It's yeah. it's just, it's <laughs> my <laughs> professor did it to me. So yeah. I'm to you. Yeah. <laughs> no uh, mercy. So, no, you can laugh about it. It's the people that don't laugh about it, though, that I don't always trust. Because I'm like, there's got to be a part of you that's like, fuck, how'd you get so good so quick? You know, like, yeah. that's, like that's not no. fair. No, it is. It is. And, and it, especially it, it, some of the some of the kids, like, they put themselves in the most the most terrible positions and just their bodies haven't fully formed. And I'm like, this should not work. And then it does. And I get so mad. <laughs> oh man yeah kids <laughs> so much All right, so being a woman that's been training for so long in what i would consider a pretty male dominant sport even just jujitsu and stuff um, do you have any do you have any icks about training with men or do you think there's any barriers that women use to stop themselves from training that men could change oh that's a really good question I mean, there's the typical icks, the first part. So the icks of like, you know, someone's sweating into your mouth, like that's an ick, but like you can't really stop that from happening. Yeah. The... <laughs> I, I shared a story recently of someone's sweat dropping into like the recesses oh. of my ear and it's like, it's in my body. There's nothing I can do. <laughs> yeah, and then you get the swimmer's <laughs> ear and you're like, I need to like just yeah. like, come out. Yeah, yeah. I think like for, for women, I, I feel like 
I don't necessarily know if there needs to be like a crash course or something to kind of be able to be presented to them that like, you know, it's, it's a very physical and brutal sport, but there's so much reward that comes to it and that comes from it. Like you can really find out not only like who you are as a person at like a very primal and core level, but like you can also find out like just how strong you are are and like how much stronger you think you are. And like you can really, again, I feel like we live in a very like PC society where like we're always like checking in and being like, are you okay? Is this a safe space? And be like, yes, this is a safe space. But like now we're going to murder and kill each other and just like go at it and like mm-hmm. no holding back, but in a very safe way, you know, like, you <laughs> like actually kill the one, but like you want to take it to that point. <laughs> and I think it's just so good. And that goes for anyone, like anyone that wants to train jujitsu in terms of like women in particular, I, I think that, there needs to be a, a prerequisite or something where like they do some kind of soul searching or I wish I could send this message out of just like, just try it, be very open-minded about it and just like really throw yourself into it. Because if you hold back, like that's how you're going to get hurt. That's how you're going to, that's how you're going to not enjoy this process. Uh, but if you can really like let go and just, dive into like what the technique is dive into what the storyline is like what positions you're trying to get to where you can get to like a neutral place that can be a really wonderful and beautiful thing and then in terms of like training with guys like just don't be a creep like yeah. <laughs> you know and i, I feel like because jujitsu has become so much more mainstream there's less of that i mean i don't can you every belt though? i think some yeah. people don't know what makes them a creep oh i didn't know that was creepy like yeah 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 i think uh this isn't necessarily creepy but i i i know i always got and i i still get a little frustrated with this is if i overhear or if i i hear someone tell me and straight to my face oh i want to train with you because i know you're going to be an easy round like oh people whoa. say that people have said that people have said that to me they're like, you're a woman, so this is going to be an easy round. And I'm like, I'm going to beat the shit out of you. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that was said to me as a purple belt Ooh, and fuck. blue belt. I have also been told that I was the the chunky blue belt commenting about my weight and appearance. I'm like, oh, I don't think you should really talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> what else? Oh, I... I we were doing positional rounds. This was when I first started training and I was on mount on someone and they made a joking remark that they had to take me or usually they take girls out to dinner first before they do this. Really? And that was one of those. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay, this is a little awkward. Can Any I kind ask, of sex- hmm. were these like white belt type people like younger or these were just the full gamut? You, you experienced this with everybody. It's been mostly white belts that have white belts. Uh, That's not to excuse belts. them, though, either. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. Um, I'm talking like to a noob. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. <laughs> it's more like I'm hoping the people that are established people in the community aren't doing that. Hopefully it's no. like people that haven't learned yet. Yeah, um, yeah. No, it, it, the the mm, I, I have had some people make sexual remarks during roles. Again, I was a, I was a lower belt. 
like since I've been a black belt, I, since I've been a Brown and black, that has not happened. Mm. So that's also one of the things that, you know, in my personal journey of just getting to like these different belt colors, like you start to see different sides of people. So like, I see very different sides of people that now that I meet them than I was when I was like a white or a blue belt, but it also goes into like, just respect everyone on the mats. Like you don't know like what's going on. And again, this is also like now eight years ago, nine years ago. And jujitsu was main, uh, like I would say, People knew kind of what jujitsu was, but he gave like a lot of the karate hands. So they didn't really <laughs> understand <laughs> what jujitsu was. And now like it's gotten to a point where uh, it, people understand what jujitsu is and they understand that it's a martial art. And there's at, at least the place that I'm at. I mean, Henzo's is such a respectful place to me anyways. And since I've been there, I, I have not encountered any of this. This has been at other schools that this has happened. But again, I was a lower belt and it, who knows like what kind of vibe I co- possibly could have been sending out. Like I'm sure we've all met people where, you know, they're putting out this certain vibe on the mat and like someone thinks like, Oh, maybe I could like, you know, throw a little line in and test the waters. It just goes to you. Like, don't, don't shit where not you there. eat. Like, it's not just there. not. Yeah. And I think that that's been repeated over and over and over again of like really respect your training partners and respect the, that, that you respect your training partners, you respect the mats and like nothing will happen. But again, that's, that's what happened to me during my journey. <laughs> I have not had any girls uh, talk to me about their own experiences uh, with anything like that. The closest that has come to has been like, they feel like people have chosen them for easy rounds or they know that they're an easy round because they're so small. And it's like, you can be so fierce. It's just, how can you like tap into that per, uh, per se? Yeah. Yeah. I so, yeah that super into jujitsu because like, and you see like women's self-defense courses taught and stuff and like you've taught before and it's empowering for a woman i would think to learn that how much technique can compensate for you know whatever physical disadvantage they might have not only is that empowering like physically but i would imagine that would transfer to other aspects of your life too mm-hmm. so like I've, i don't have any daughters but i've always said if i had a daughter like she she must do jujitsu i have two boys but yeah they'll do jiu-jitsu, i'm sure but I'm not, I don't like, but if I had a daughter, she'd have to do it. Like yeah. for me, I, I think I just, you have to. My totally. my niece, my niece started training at Richmond County Jiu-Jitsu and hey. she, she's like, she's like 13. And then our other, and her sister's like 10. And like, I know I could already see them growing up. Like they're going to be attractive girls and like, they're yeah. about to get into high school. And I'm like, no, you have to learn how to fight, you know? And like, I yeah. want them to have that and. And yeah, be tough. And one thing that you were mentioning just about some of the lines you've heard. <laughs> one thing I, I got to shout out Zuli, not only for connecting us, but she's like the protector on the mats. Like if there's a girl that comes to the gym, Zuli will go to like some guys and be like, you're not rolling with her. Like, you know, and then like she'll tell she'll tell them you're not rolling with these guys. But she does it in like a sweet but strong way. Like, you know, where, like, awesome. not yet. like you need some of that. And. I was going to ask you, is that annoying that that even has to happen? Or is that like a good, you know what I mean? Because nobody had to give me etiquette lessons. 
Mm-hmm. But in your program, when you're teaching these women, like, do you have to give them like, hey, you might experience this and you might, you know what I mean? You know, I actually don't, hmm, it sounds kind of bad, but I don't actually mention that to the girls. Like I, I, everyone's, my view is everyone's experience is different. If someone, someone has any kind of uh, issues or anything that happens, I really hope that, you know, they would talk to someone I would love if they came up and talked and spoke with me, but I also don't want to present this whole thing. Like the sky is falling. Mm-hmm. Like you need to be on high alert at all times, just because again, my experience, I, I I've overcome like a lot of really bad. I, I had terrible self-esteem and like terrible choices in people and like really, really bad relationships. So a lot of, what I feel like what happened to me was that I was putting out this kind of vibe where it's like, I was attracting this kind of thing and like creeps are everywhere. But also like, if you put yourself in that kind of like victim role too, you can really be creeped on real fast. Mm-hmm. So I don't necessarily want to have people like buy into that. If that makes sense. Sure. Like I really using anxiety. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. And it doesn't need to be there. And again, my experience is my experience. And like, I don't, it's not that I don't hate it. Like it was just, it shaped a lot of, it's just shaped some of the stuff. And I was like, well, like that's a little weird. We're going to keep moving on. And I mean, I never quit. (laughs) Like I kept showing up. (laughs) Those people have either dropped out of jujitsu or like, I've never seen them again. And like, I'm like, look where I'm at now. Like, it's pretty fucking cool. Mm-hmm. So I can't like shit talk it. Like it really helped shape my experience. But at the same time, for, for the ladies that I teach or any ladies in the gym or like any ladies just even who listen to this, like there's always people for you to talk to and that you can reach out to. And there's more female black belts. There's more female, like higher belts that you can reach out to. Just don't be afraid to to do that. It should feel like, you know, it's okay. But then also like be able to check in with yourself and be like, am I sending out this vibe? Do I, am I showing up here for jujitsu or am I showing up here more for something else? Like I love jujitsu. Like I, I breathe jujitsu. I work at my gym. I do jujitsu. I am jujitsu. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I know that like, I love the sport. I love the training. Like I will always come to class. I am just, I take notes during class. I read up on my notes. Like mm-hmm. I have become so nerdy about jujitsu that like, this is what I'm into, but I also watch other people. And this is not just women in general, like men and women that show up and it's like, they're showing up, but they're not being really present. And they're going to have a different kind of experience, whether it be good or, or bad, who knows, but they're kind of like living in their own, own world. But yeah, at least for, for women, like if they, there are so many dudes, but if there are girls that are things happen to them and like, they're afraid to speak out, like they should absolutely find a a higher belt or talk to their professors or try to establish some sort of relationship where they can be like, Hey, this kind of like happened. How do I do? And there's so many forums online. Like there's yeah. a women in grappling forum that I'm on that like I'll look at from time to time. I uh, and there's so many interesting and intricate questions that happen. And it's like, whoa, 
okay, like you're dealing with some really heavy things. Like you feel really isolated at your gym or you feel like people are creeping you out or something like this. It's like, well, maybe you should also like look at a new gym. Yeah. People can open gyms Mm -hmm. and they don't need to be black belts. And I find that to just, what? Like, (laughs) I don't get that. (laughs) I... And I don't know if it's me or if it's my personality or the people that I surround myself with. Like I've wanted to know as much knowledge as possible so I can be the best professor on the mats and off the mats. Um, And I've wanted to earn my black belt and like really cement myself. Uh, And I know I don't feel right now, if I, someone was to give me money to open up a school, I'd be like, no, I I can't. I just, I, I need more knowledge. I, I, I need to do more things. Uh, meanwhile, like there's so many people that like will open up a school and like, they don't have that backing. And I, I find that to be ridiculous. And then when you're a new student, you don't know these things. Like you don't know, like this person, they don't, you don't know their lineage. You don't know like the story of jujitsu is, you don't know like where these people are coming from. Is this a predator? Is this not a predator? Like, you know, it, there's, nothing that prevents anyone from doing that. And I, I find that mm. to be just wild. But again, I, you don't know until you know, and then you jo- go to a school and you put the time in and you're like, maybe this feels a little weird. I'm going to change gyms. Or maybe like this feels a little strange. And then you can go out and taste other things and compare and contrast. Uh, yeah. And hopefully find a, a place that's your home. That's a good point yeah. because it's a huge commitment in time and finance. And it is a business. Yeah like a school so sometimes i think people start and then they're like i feel bad leaving or i feel bad rocking the boat but it's like you're only hurting yourself like if you feel weird you should talk to the teacher and if the teacher then that's a warning sign too like (laughs) their whole job is to teach you how to protect yourself and if they're not helping you and that's totally then what are you doing yeah this is crazy (laughs) all right so so to get a little bit more Okay. Mm. I'm say no, 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 you go, Arturo. You go. To get a little bit more into jujitsu, but since you are jujitsu, right? <laughs> What's your favorite rule set? ADCC. Oh, I'm ADCC. loving okay. Why? ADCC. Uh, I, I am a slow starter. <laughs> so I love that there are no points for the first half of the rounds. And then I love that there are points on. I am someone that uh, I like IBJJF rule set. Like I... Again, I'm a slow starter, so I will give up points and then like people will hang on and then there's no progression. Um, Meanwhile, with ADCC, I feel like you're opening things up and you can try new things and you can get a little weird in the first half and then like you can really hone in on your game. Mm -hmm. Um, The only thing I wish it was a little bit longer. Again, a slow starter. I'm much better with the 10 minute IBJJF rounds because I have the conditioning for it. But the ADCC can be a little bit of a faster pace at times. I, I just really like it. So okay. what's your favorite rule set? I just play the game differently. So yeah. like if it's not ADCC, I have a strategy that I just un- recently unlocked. I call it wrist lock and run. Oh, I like that. <laughs> so I usually just get points for going wrist lock attempts from standing. And if I get it, I get it, I win. If I don't, I get a point and just play keep away, right? Like if it's a short round, there's points at the beginning, let me get them quick. I like Uh, that, I like that. I feel like, I yeah, my wrist lock and run strategy. If it's ADCC, then I need to 
I, I don't know. I'm a top player, so I need to I need to get side control. I I, I want to pin you. I'm going for takedown. Mm -hmm. So it's very just different games for different things. Yeah, yeah. But, so but we, I we do were... like ADCC best because I feel like it gives you a fuller scope of the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I again because of the MMA background, I feel like I've always been a little bit more geared towards no gi than gi, and Same. I've always I I want to win. By submission. That's really what I want to win by. So if I win by points, I'm like, oh, it's fine. But by submission, it's like, yes, like I definitively won. Like that's what I'm looking for. That's what I want. But I find that at least with IBJJF, like uh, it, it turns into like this a very conservative kind of game. And like, I just want to like just open things up and like fight me, like pohata time, like let's go. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And if people are up, like they're very defensive and I just get yep. so mad. <laughs> yep. Mm -hmm. That was going to be my question because Arturo felt bad that he won that way. Yeah. Like that there was like <laughs> less, like there's less honor in it, you know? It and so like, would you rather lose, but like you fought your fight or would you rather win and kind of feel dirty about it? I uh, no, I'd rather lose and be like, I had the best match I've ever had. That's um, okay. And uh, that actually happened at Nogi Pans last year. Uh, I was in the finals and like, I really was like, I was on Wago uh, the whole weekend. <laughs> I just felt so good. I just beat the shit out of all my opponents. Like I, I was just running through everyone. And then I made it to the finals and the girl that I fought, I, she played the game so well. And she like when we would engage, she would move herself to the very outer rim so that we, we would be constantly running out of bounds. Mm. And so we were constantly then being reset. So then we would be mm -hmm. reset. And then I had to go charging after her again. And like, it was just, I almost scored a takedown, but because the ref, you know, goes like that, uh, I, it didn't count for anything. And it was just one of these, like, I look at the clock and I'm like, how am I down by a, so many advantages? And, yeah. and like, it, I was so mad about it, but I wound up deconstructing the match. And like, I, I really fought the best I ever fought there. I made some tiny minor mistakes that cost me the match and I was upset about them. But at the same time, I was like, I can't be mad at this because at least I showed up and I was ready to fight that day. He showed up and she she played the game like, you know, and that's that's how it can go. You yeah. said that with so much class where I feel like inside mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> diplomacy, that was wonderful. Um, yeah, for me, it feels like I hate myself for employing the strategy that is best served to win. And I'm like, uh, like what I just yeah. did was anti jujitsu. Yeah, yeah. And I, I don't know about you guys, but like we are at least I've always felt like man like I, i'm this is a fight like i am ready to fight uh and like i want to you put like all of my mind my heart into everything that i do and like if i play like you know the game i'm not necessarily i'm only using my mind i'm not necessarily using my heart mm -hmm. yeah do you feel and, as though jujitsu is trending away from fighting Cause you keep saying fight and me and Arturo yeah. always talk about fighting, but like I only do just like, but I'll be like fight, but it's like, well, it's not really a fight. Like, do you feel like we're yeah. trending the wrong way? I know that that's like the big debate that's kind of going on. I don't feel like 
I do. I think that it's trending away from fighting. I think it's, you know, it be starting to become like this really interesting skill and technique that are being employed. Like I know the most recent, the trial, not yeah, the trials that was this weekend, like there were some amazing, amazing matches. And I felt like there were a lot of people that put a lot of heart into their, their fights there. But I also think that, you know, because jujitsu has changed so much that you have to go in with like a very technical mind. And Arturo, I think you said it best where it's like, you have to also understand the rule set and understand the game. And if you do want to win, like if that's what your goal is, like you do have to play the game aspect. But if you're going in just to like fight to fight, like that's going to be you just at least need to make yourself proud. So are you fighting to <clears throat> to win? Or are you fighting more for yourself? And I think that might be the distinction between it. And I'm sure most professors would be like, you need to fight to win. And I'm like, <laughs> fight for yourself. <laughs> Follow your dreams. <laughs> Anu, do, you have, do you have a rule set you like more than others? Yeah. Honestly, I don't know enough about grappling I'm just like a blue belt, like on my way to purple. Maybe. Judgment over That's here. fine. Okay. So okay. I don't feel Whatever. like, honestly, if if it helps me win, like I believe more in wrestling and that, that should be rewarded, you know, than just sub only. So sometimes sub only kind of like annoys me where I'm like, I don't feel like that makes it as close to a fight as possible. And if, if I'm on bottom and just praying, I don't get choked out. Like I, in, I always imagine my head when we're on the mats, someone's punching me. Like I always imagine someone's punching me. So I don't like to be in a position where I'm just praying and staying alive. So, but if it comes to MMA, my favorite rule set is pride. That's what I believe. Okay. So whatever, whatever grappling translates to pride rule set is like what I would follow. Soccer That's kicks legit. Yeah, soccer kicks. Super legit. Yeah, you'll never see a leg lock again. Yeah. <laughs> I told that to somebody. Somebody was getting like knee board and they got up. I was like, all right, now punch them in the face. You know, like because I feel like it's right there. Like, fuck, it's bullshit. Uh, uh, so that's that, maybe that's another question then. If if you could implement a change in a rule set that you would like to see, maybe it's for like the good of the evolution of grappling in your view, or just it like maybe something doesn't make sense to you. For me, I've always thought like sub attempts are worth one point, but mountain back are four. And I'm like, I don't know, isn't the goal sub? Shouldn't we weigh it a little more? But then it becomes like subjective of like, what is a good attempt? Yeah, so yeah. I don't know. What are your thoughts? So I've been a ref and I've mm. done a bunch of different rule sets. Submission only is terrible to ref at times. Like again, it all depends upon the players and the actual like match that's going on. Because you can get, at least with sub only, like you can get someone that's okay with attacks and then someone that's really good with defenses. And you're like, cool, you guys are going to battle for like two hours. <laughs> and it's the most boring watch. And you know, you do wind up praying. I think I hate boring matches. I hate when boring matches happen to me. I hate watching boring matches. Like I want to see... I want to see action. So I think at least with IBJJF, I really wish that they would call more stalling calls. Mm. And I, I, the, I would really like to see, it would be kind of cool if I guess like a fusion between ADCC and IBJJF in terms of like, again, having that as the, the time limit and potentially the slams and stuff to add that in, but also to, 
in terms of like the refs to really make sure that they're all even and like they all are on the same page because it does become, become fairly subjective at times where you watch something and you're like, there were points that were definitely that should have been scored mm-hmm. or like, why is that person getting an advantage? Like, what what, what did they do? But I feel like, again, at least with the refs, like there's been a little bit more of communication between refs and fighters to be like, okay, so this is why I did this. This is why I did this. But uh, yeah, more stalling calls for sure. But then again, it comes down to the fighters of like, who's, are you just making busy work and like looking like you're doing something or are you actually doing something? And it becomes like this production kind of thing. Would you do like a a warning and then a point deduction of some sort? Like how much would you make that point deduction? Like, have you thought about it? Uh, I mean, I'm thinking right on the spot right now. (laughs) (laughs) I think that the way that they go through it, so it's penalty and then it's the advantage and then penalty and then the two points. I'm perfectly fine with that, but like, let's make the time, like, you know, instead of that 20 seconds, let's make it 10 seconds or Mm. let's make it 15. And I like, but really like let them know that they need to start having a match. Like the worst is when you have like a shoving match between two people and you're like, okay, well, like someone needs to do something. (laughs) I, I I like takedowns, but like I am a dirty guard puller. (laughs) Like I am (laughs) absolutely fine with that just because I want to initiate things. And that's how a lot of the times if you don't want to initiate with me, okay, I'm going to pull guard and I'm going to see what winds up happening. But I also know a lot of girls that will then wind up pulling guard and, and, and take that route and be like, okay, well, let's see, figure out how we can do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, at least you're forcing the issue, right? Like you're making it like more like a fight as opposed to just waiting. Yeah. Yeah. But then again, like I know I, yeah, that could be perspective mess up. too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Patience is a virtue. Like yeah. you have to be very patient with certain things and like, let it just, sit and don't rush through things because i've been one of these people that are like i'm just gonna go into the match and rush into it and like it has been terrible (laughs) absolutely terrible i guess as a life skill patience is better and if you're planning like war campaigns (laughs) like i feel like i'm in (laughs) On yeah. an individual battle, yeah. like, just start fighting already. No, like, that, yeah. that's how I think of it. If I can just hand fight the hell out of this guy, he's going to get so annoyed. Then he's going to start shooting desperately. Then he's yeah. going to get tired. Then he's going to make mistakes. Then he's like, I just want them thinking like they're losing yeah. already. It's like just mm. mentally. Yeah. I, I like. That's why I lose. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be wrist lock and run. You that's can do it. wrist locks. <laughs> I'm a huge fan of that, Arturo. Like, I really am. I'm going to start working on it. <laughs> New game plan. <laughs> I know for me, I really like collar ties, but I, like one of the last ADCCs, I was actually almost, I think I was penalized for a collar tie because I used my collar ties almost like an overhand punch. <laughs> nice. The classic wrestling, yeah. Classic. <laughs> like... <laughs> it's really i'm like perfect (laughs) (laughs) but now i know like you have to snap down i'm like okay Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. has that um, ever happened to you where you wanted to get into a fight while you were rolling like did your mma training kick in where you're like this is fucking like no never got frustrated aggressive yeah sometimes (laughs) oh no i've been 
extremely frustrated during rounds. Like I've cried on the mat so many times uh, where I've just like either sobbed or like to myself in a round during a round after a round in the chat <laughs> room, like all over the academy. It's like, oh, we're not going to talk about it. And everyone's like, you okay? I'm like, I don't want to talk. <laughs> so like, yeah, I've been super frustrated. I've also have gotten frustrated with other people where like I've turned it up on them so that it's like, you've done something to offend me and like mm. offend me as a person. But then I also look at it as like, man, I lost that round. Cause like I let my emotions get the better of me. Mm. <sighs> and so that's happened. But I feel like we all kind of go through those different stages of like, you know, denial. <laughs> did, you happen to catch, did you happen to catch any bit of quintet this last weekend? Oh man, that was so good. With, with bookie and Hassan Rita that got aggressive. No. Oh, I that got that, that got pretty uh, bad. I, yeah, did yeah, it? Hassan Rita was like definitely doing some like dirty things. He even gave like a good solid elbow that oh. didn't look. I don't oh, know. Oh yeah, I saw the elbow. Yeah. yeah, it was pretty bad. They were both getting really mad with each other. Mm. Yeah, it's one of those matches you're like, oh man, this is definitely escalating. They should yeah. probably just stop it. I don't know. It was weird. I don't I'm like, know. I think they should just stop the match. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's like a tough call to make. Cause I know that there's sometimes like, there has to be some sort of aggression, but like when it gets to be too much, it's like, come on, you're just kind of disgracing yourself. And then you're also like disgracing the sport. Mm -hmm. Cause again, even though it's founded in fighting, like we're not really throwing strikes right now. Like, yeah, there's like that. you know, pushes where like it's close to the edge where you're like, you're yeah. pushing them off the stage or like, I know. Or like hands to the face are getting really aggressive and you're like, oh man, then they both go back and forth on and you're like, oh boy, yeah. it's getting worse. So yeah, I don't know what I you know. do though as a as like a ref to like, you know, you can give them warnings and stuff, but that doesn't really necessarily stop it. No, it doesn't. And that's not just for like quintet, that's for other places where like you watch some some matches and you're just like, that is just some poor jujitsu. And mm -hmm. I think relying on that kind of aggression, it's just <sighs> like, you're better than that. You should just be better than that. Mm -hmm. uh, but it does make for like, you know, it, it does make for a highlight reel. It does start to bring other people to seeing it. So like, it's like a double edged sword because then you can really market it. Like, yeah, this is, this is applicable to like a, potential real life situation. Like, what do you do if someone's in your face like that? Like you can use technique, you can use this. I think as a competitor, uh, at least when people have gotten aggressive with me, it, the hardest part is just not letting it be personal or like not taking it personally. Now, granted, I haven't had that kind of experience where like elbows are being thrown or anything, but like I've had girls get super aggressive with me and like, I can feel that like, you know, they really, really, they wanted to hurt me before, but like now they really want to hurt me. Mm -hmm. And I kind of look at it like you're letting your emotions get the better of you. Like I can totally capitalize on this now. So I, I maybe like a recognition of like that person of like, man, that's, that's what you can do. But the whole shoving and stuff, like, I hate that. Like, I'm not, I'm not a fan of it. I did see a lot of that quintet and I was like, man, like that's just not cool. Like I feel like you're disrespecting then the the sport. And again, you're disrespecting yourself. But that's how I see it. <laughs> sure. mm -hmm. Is there anything are there any do you still watch MMA? Are you still a fan or like 
Or is that behind you? Of course, you? it's still a fan. Okay, okay. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I don't watch it as often as I used to, but I do catch it from time to time. And like, it's, again, it's changed so much and it's the cards have gotten so late. <laughs> I'm like, I'm in bed. <laughs> but I, I still do catch some fights from time to time. And it's cool to watch certain fighters. Like I love Valentina. I think she's incredible. And there's Erin Blanchfield that I know she's up and coming and she's just incredible to watch. And like, I've, trained with her and she's literally a stone cold killer and i'm like (laughs) she's someone that's been training since she was like a child Mm. and again that twitching that that feeling is so different so it's really cool to to watch that but did you have any questions about fighters i know very limited fighters (laughs) did you see valentina fought last night actually i did not catch it but yeah So I haven't watched it yet. My plan is to watch it actually after this. Oh, nice. nice. But it was a draw. It was a draw. A draw. You just don't see that very often. And a big point of contention in the MMA community, if Valentina had won that belt or did Grasso win it or was it a draw? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't watch the fight, but I believe there should be more draws instead of wins. I think. Oh, yeah. Because I feel like in fighting, sometimes it's a close fight. Like there was no dominant winner you know and i feel i feel bad for the losers so i want them to like i feel like we should have more draws draws in soccer you know like it's sometimes yeah like you fucked each other up like you know like you both did well like more respect for each other afterwards like you know to me that's kind of i am a fan of the 10 10 round yeah i I do think there should be more 10 10s yeah Mm -hmm. Me and okay. Arturo always yeah. argue for that. Are you a fan of Volkanovski? Because he's also like the rugby guy that got into martial arts. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think he's really cool. I've watched like a handful of his fights. Really anyone that's been like in another sport that's been transitioned into MMA, I'm like, that's legit. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. So to watch just like their athleticism is just wild. Uh, yeah. You go, Arturo. So... What is, do you have anything coming up? Any projects you're working yeah. on? Any seminars you're coming up with right now? What's on the uh, Yeah, what's on schedule for you right now? What's on the schedule? So right now I have two seminars next month. I have one at Hensler Gracie Middletown, New York. He just redid his entire gym. And so it's really cool to be able to go up there and just share some knowledge. I'm running a kid seminar that weekend. My professor, Mike Jeremillo, will be running I guess a co-ed seminar or an adult seminar. I believe he's also having a couple other people come up to a potential striking seminar with Jamie Crowder, just Mm. reaching back into the community to show support and then also to show off his new gym. So I'm excited to see that. And then in mid-October, I'm doing a Weedify seminar out in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania at Stout for, well, at, at Stout for Weedify. And it's an organization that is for veterans to give back to the community or to jujitsu. And I think they have funded, they will pay for like certain vets dues to like have them train jujitsu. It's it's an incredible program, an incredible organization. And I, we had one back at Henzo's in February. And I want to say like we had over, 80 people there i think it was the largest on the east coast yeah it was really it was amazing and you get to meet all these different vets and hear their experiences and hear their stories and then we had like a huge influx uh, of people that started training and it's just you know jujitsu's changed 
I'm sure both of your lives, hopefully for the better. <laughs> I know it's changed mine. So like, it's just great to be able to give back. And so that's going on in Pittsburgh. In terms of competitions, I have tri- East Coast Trials uh, mid-October and then Nogi Worlds at the end of this year. That's coming up. It is coming up. What are you doing talking to us? Is there anything you do outside of jujitsu in terms of like, you know, strength and conditioning or any other extracurriculars that you implement as a competitor? So I do strength and conditioning at a gym called Iron Lion. They do a specific jujitsu program for myself. Coach Chris is my my coach. He is one of the owners of the, the gym and they've worked with multiple UFC fighters. Jared Gordon was one of the guys that they worked mm-hmm. with, a couple other guys from PFL. So it it's incredible. Like he was the programming that I'm doing with him is like so jujitsu oriented and I can feel the change of my body and, and how I have been responding is it's been really fun. Um, they like focus in on like your ligaments and like strengthening of that as opposed to like all over like explosive strength. And then like after they get like strong with the ligaments, then they're like, now we're going to expand into this. And he gets mm-hmm. super into like explaining, like we're going to do this and then it leads to this and then does this and then this and then jitsu. And then it's like, okay, like I'm ready to, I'm game for whatever. And So aside from that, I will do like yoga routines, different things where it's like mobility stuff that like I've picked up either from myself, what feels good, different things from massage and stretching. So it's like my own little program and a package of like what feels good, what's good for jujitsu, what movements do I do? Because we do such weird movements in jujitsu anyways, where like... You know, you might be balancing on a hand and your face on the mat. (laughs) (laughs) Are you on one leg or are you on two legs? And so there's not necessarily something that, and jujitsu is so individual too. Like my, your game is your game. My game is my game. So how can I find something within my body where I can hone in on like what I'm good at and just keep getting better with what I'm good at? It's great they're giving you that personalized touch. And I like that you're taking stuff from even your massage and everything. Like, you know, so it's like jujitsu. Yeah. Holistic. Sure, but you have all these other minors that you've like yeah. taken things with from like football and other studies. Did you watch the, did you watch the, the reality show on Netflix quarterback? Like watching other athletes? Oh, I, I have seen bits and pieces of quarterback. I got into, what was I watching? There was a nut. I think I was watching something else about football on Netflix, but I love like listening to other people's stories, especially like the untold Netflix stories. Maybe if you can, like, <laughs> yeah. watch it and just fast forward to the parts where they're training. Yeah. You see Patrick Mahomes and them and Kirk Cousins like talking with their like athletic trainers. And yeah. They weren't benching or doing squats. Like they were just doing these weird moves for everything that you were yeah. saying, ligaments and stuff. So I don't know. I found that fascinating to see where they're going. Totally. So you're doing, I think that's that's the next uh, step. One of my clients, he actually sent me, he was telling me that 
football athletes now, they're training their hands and their first, mm-hmm. uh, reaction speed a whole lot more. Mm-hmm. And they're, he sent me like a small video of like these two guys, like just like playing like a touch and go kind of yep. thing. And that's, it's like a misdirection. And he's like this huge ex football player that I'm teaching. And like, there's certain things that he does that I'm like, whoa, like, whoa, what did you just do? And <laughs> we're trying to like lay down and like slow him down and get him into like good jujitsu thing. And he's like, but I just want to touch and go, touch and go. I'm like, okay, buddy, <laughs> like we can do this later, but <laughs> jujitsu. But it is incredible to see like what other sports like mm-hmm. will focus in on and really like almost like a microscope and and zoom in so you can do these little micro patterns and then it completely changes like the game i'm interested to see like how jujitsu because all i feel like all the top level guys like they're all doing different kinds of training and like Mm -hmm. how you can homogenize something so that you know what's the next generation Mm -hmm. of jujitsu athletes going to be into I see a lot of the band work happening. I'm like, that looks interesting. How is that translating? It's a cool, cool age to be in. I feel like it's applicable to you because everything that they're trying to do with Mahomes and a lot of quarterbacks is everything off platform. So non-traditional, right? And yeah, yeah. Jiu Jitsu, like you said, you're on your hand and you're on your face and you have a toe. Yeah. You know? And then it's like <laughs> you're holding yourself up with that foot. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, right now in my game, I'm trying to do a lot more pressure. And my coach is very much, very adamant. He's like, bird, because uh, he calls me birdie. Like, bird, you got to use your head more. You got to use, like, your face. And so, like, now I'm, like, just, like, planting my face on people. And I'm, like, not letting go. <laughs> and it is the most awkward thing. But it works. It's really helpful. <laughs> oh, that's my game. I love it. Yes. <laughs> I just want to impale you with my face. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, that, and that sweat drips into their mouth. And then so you're winning. Exactly. Or <laughs> I'm going to like waterboard myself <laughs> with your rash guard. <laughs> uh, let's see. I, we ask people a lot of times, like, what's your favorite sub? Oh. Do you have one? Ooh. Everybody says whatever works, but I hate yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> I. Man, I uh, I love so. There's certain things that I really love. I love arm bars. I'm just I've I've always enjoyed like a really good arm bar. Recently, I've been a super fan of like a shoulder crunch. So I uh, it's a it's a triangle. It's a back triangle, but instead of fully extending the arm and going or going for the strangle. It's actually been, I pull up on the elbow, so it turns into a shoulder lock and it's beautiful and you can add a wrist lock into it. So I'm like, yes, this is nice. I really like rear nakeds, especially if I can like hear the person gurgling or like, <laughs> you know, like crush their face. I'm like, yes, I got this. So like, yeah, knee bars are always very fun for me and toe holds. My brown first world at brown belt, I ripped two girls uh, ankles and like it sounded like and felt like I was ripping like multiple sheets of paper. Yeah. It was cool. It was like, definitely like, (laughs) (laughs) first girl tapped the second girl did not. And she wound up not being able to walk off the mat. Mm -hmm. And that was, I got, I ripped it in like the last, like 
I think 15, 10, 15 seconds. I had it and her whole team was behind her and they were like, don't tap and like just freaked out. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. And then she couldn't walk out for the finals match. I'm like, cool, cool, cool. That sucks. (laughs) Did you you feel bad at all though? Was there a party or no? Like that's the sport. Like you separate that. I separated it. I mean, it sounds like she had time to tap. (laughs) She did have plenty of time to tap. But also, like, at that, I mean, you feel it too at, like, you get to a certain level and, like, this is is your sport. This is now your livelihood. Like, I need to cause catastrophic damage because people won't tap. I mean, they won't respect it. And there needs to be a respect of like, I need to go in and I'm trying to hurt you to the best of my abilities. And you're doing the same thing to me. Like it, we can be respectful as, as much as we want, but like at the end of the day, yeah, we both want to win. So if you don't, if you're for me, when I do my comp rounds, like I tell everyone, like, you have to kill me. Like you literally, like I will not tap unless like you are about to like rip something or murder me. And like, I will absolutely tap beforehand and protect myself, but like, you're going to have to kill me. (laughs) 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 So yeah. So with competitions, it's, no, we're we're going for the kill, and you got to protect yourself. Like, know mm-hmm. your body, know yourself. Uh, know if you're having an off day. Like, you, you tap early. I messed my knee up right before Masters Worlds. Like, super gnarly, super random. Like, I was in this weird twisted kind of knee bar ish thing, and like, I felt a uh, pop and a, a little bit of a snap. Um, and this was Friday, and I was supposed to compete on Thursday, and I was like, oh man, I fucked up. I uh, I did as much, many things as I possibly could to try and like speed up my healing process. I iced my knee. I was testing it out. I didn't train. I took a whole bunch of time off and I had to fly out to Vegas and it wasn't a hundred percent. And so like I knew going into my matches, I was at a huge disadvantage, but I also knew like IBJJF doesn't pull you out like a week out, out. They're like, oh, well, you have to send a coach or a representative to pull you out. And like, I still paid for it. I still have my flight. I still had all these things. And I'm someone where like, I say I'm going to do something and I'm, I'm going to do it. So I went out and I competed and like, again, I, I had to change my game plan because I couldn't do any takedowns. I couldn't really do a lot of things. I didn't have a leg. <laughs> I was just like, okay, I'm going to do the best I can. I got bronze in my weight division and then I signed up for the open class and it was kind of like, whatever happens, happens. I got into a leg lock exchange with one of the girls and I, she had my ankle and like, I felt my knee start to move in a different way. And like, I tapped really early and she was like, what did you tap to? I'm like, ankle lock, like, we're just going to leave it as is. But could I have like possibly worked out of it? Maybe. Yeah, I probably could have. But I also know like I have other things that are lined up. And I knew I went into this being like, I'm at a disadvantage. Like I need to protect myself. If you're an idiot where you're like, I need to like win this no matter what, like, okay, that's fine. Then you're going to do that, but then you're going to pay for it later on. So know your body. Hopefully, hopefully you can feel it. I I love like the killer (laughs) instinct. Do you have, do you have that same killer instinct though, when you're coaching somebody else? Cause like when you, when you said all their coaches were like, don't tap. I know myself. I'd be like, yo, fucking tap. Like, I'd be like, yo, tap right now because I don't want you to get hurt. It depends upon the person and it depends upon what their goals are. 
with my white belts when I've coached them at tournaments. Like I want them to win, but I also want them to know what the experience is like to compete. Cause I feel like trying to explain what a jujitsu tournament is like, you, you, I can go blue in the face and like, you got to experience it for yourself in terms of like the, I've lost my voice coaching, <laughs> been extremely passionate with like certain people, but I also understand that like, they're not me and they can only do so much. So if they're not putting in what I need them to put in, I am going to recognize the situation to be able to pull back. So for instance, I had one student, this was a couple of years ago, I was coaching her at a tournament and she straight up just stopped listening to me. And I was telling her one thing and then she was doing something different and it's like, okay, you don't even hear me. So we'll talk after the match. And like, then I sit down and we go over the match and I'm like, so this is what happened. This is what happened. And this is what happened. But yeah, I, I have definitely gotten passionate enough where like I scream so much that I've lost my voice. I'm like, don't let that go. Like you're good. Like just do it. Just go for the back or like do something. And Sometimes they do and sometimes they don't. <laughs> so coaching is a totally different learning experience. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. What do, you, what do you got, Arturo? Anything else? I think that's it. That's all I've got. Honestly, yeah, Bridget. I love the combination of like, you seem like a pioneer that you just jumped into like football and rugby. <laughs> and I also like how you said you were a little naive and you were calling Henzo Renzo. Because oh, I, I, I think you need a little bit of that to get into like such violent sports like you know you got to be a little bit like well, let me just walk in you know and because if you take oh, things seriously you'll never oh, get yeah. it yeah yeah uh, or you're not gonna enjoy the process and like at the end of the day like jujitsu is uh, i tell everyone i'm like there's so much primal aspect in jujitsu like you you go outside and like you observe nature and you're gonna see jujitsu everywhere with Loki, I take him to a dog park and like I see jujitsu with the dogs. Uh, you watch like nature is metal on Instagram and you're watching like these beasts have <laughs> jujitsu matches and it's incredible. So like it's, it, it is this primal thing. It is some like we are animals in so many different ways and like this kind of fuels it, but it's also, it's fun. And like, mm-hmm. again, we would love to kill one another and it's a violent, <laughs> beautiful violent aspect (laughs) but it's also really really fun and like it's there's camaraderie that gets built i like i love being able to like push my own body and push my own mind with like what can i do next what can i what can i accomplish what how can i get like that next level and i find that to be incredibly fun and jujitsu is just incredibly fun like i i'm like this is not my life this is amazing I I'm so thankful that I get to do this every day. If someone wants to train for you, when is the class at Henzo's? Like what, what do they need to do? Like (laughs) they need to show up and they need to sign the waiver, but I teach an advanced ski on Monday and Friday mornings at 7am. I also teach a beginner no gi class at 12pm on Mondays and Fridays. I do a beginner gi class on Tuesday evenings. And then I do the women's class on Saturdays at 10am. So I'm all over the place. And this is why the sport is amazing because where else can, like you say, just do nothing, sign a waiver, go in and then like <laughs> learn from one of the best in the entire world. 
Yeah, so, yeah. I, I think that's special. Yeah, hopefully we get some more people into your class and just I really appreciate you coming on and just sharing your insights and your thoughts and a little bit of your story. Yeah, thank you guys so much for having me. This was such a pleasure. I it, I love sharing my story in jiu-jitsu and I really hope that like more people, uh, you know, the sport is growing and it's changing and I really hope that more people are inspired to just at least try and when they do try like to really have an open mind and like dedicate the time to it that it deserves because it's such, again, you can learn so much about yourself through just training, what you're good at, what you're not good at, what you need to change or what you you think you should change, what you actually need to change. How much you can take. Yeah. How much you can take, how much you can dish out. I think everyone needs their own little slice of humble pie. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. I always need to double pie. <laughs> they need to know what it feels like to be the hammer and the nail, and know that they're going to be the nail way more than the hammer. <laughs> 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 but I, I think it's just an, an incredible experience for yourself, and such a gift to give yourself as well. But yeah, do jujitsu, be jujitsu. <laughs> Exactly. Arturo always tells people, like our friends that don't do jujitsu, he's like, the only reason you don't do jujitsu is because I'm not there forcing you to do jujitsu. Because once I grab you, like you're going to have to defend yourself, you know? So all the time, I'm like, the only reason why you don't do grappling is because I let you not do grappling. Because if I just start grappling, you have to. <laughs> you're going to grapple with me whether you like it or not. <laughs> exactly. And more fun than bowling so whatever right like just way more fun than bowling i am terrible at bowling it's way more fun than ice skating it's way more fun than so many things <laughs> like, <laughs> like where do you get to really like go and like cuddle and struggle with people plus like you know when you're a kid and you're on like the the playground and they're roughhousing with your friends like you only do that to a certain age and then you grow out of it like we don't really touch that many people anymore and that's, I mean that in a very like yeah. a safe way where you get to rough house and you get to throw yourself into things. Like we really pull back ourselves so much as we get older. I know at least I, with massage, oh, sorry, with massage, like we did, a, there's a small study and pretty much like when you're young, you get all of this touching and like it really helps your mental and your physicalness and releases oxytocin and all these really good feel good chemicals. And then as you get older, you start, you lose all that. And then you're like, the only way that you can search it out is by with like different vices and jujitsu mm-hmm. should be your vice, mm-hmm. <laughs> honestly. Yeah. I also I, I, think I people to- give themselves anxiety because they go through these you know, huge periods of time without any type of altercation, any type of physical contact. And so when it does present itself in their life, they're almost like paralyzed. They don't know how to make a decision. They don't know how to, they don't know what to do. And that's like, I think that's like the worst thing. Totally. That's a terrible thing. Mm -hmm. And, and the touch you talked about, I think is so relevant. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, like you, there's a documentary Blue Zones on Netflix. I've been pushing yeah. everybody. I've been pushing. Yeah, yeah. You die earlier from loneliness, and one of the automatics that you get from jujitsu is you get like a group chat, you know, and you get you yeah. get like people that talk to you and that touch, you know, and it might be happening subconsciously, but I feel like there's a little bit of like, oh, okay, like I'm not repulsive, you know, or something because I think there's like I'm something repulsive. that we think the worst of ourselves, and there are people that are that have nobody. You know, and yeah. so it's like they'll get a little bit of that. Maybe they'll build some confidence, you know? Totally. So, 
I'm uh, with you in that. I hope that happens. Yes, yeah, so don't be repulsive. Go to jujitsu. <laughs> Hopefully, I would like to visit Henzo Gracie Academy, and I'll definitely want to follow your career and see your new school. Like when you open up and do everything that you want to do, I like how methodical you are with the, how you made all these choices. And so, yeah, I'm eager to see where they end up. Thank you, thank you. Please come to New York anytime. Come train. Come hang out. It's a big, bustling city, so there's lots of things to do, lots of things to see. And plus, it's the Blue Basement. It's really fun. If you guys have never been, you should totally come. Iconic. Right on. Right on. All right. Thanks for joining us again. Good night, guys. Thank you so All much. All the best. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Philosophy of Fighting podcast. If you have any questions, suggestions, or if you would like to fight us, send us a DM on Instagram at philosophy underscore fighting.